Hey everybody, this is RPM of the Fickle Fanboy Show. The slow burn podcast that covers everything from movies to comic books to comic book movies. You can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and just about anywhere else. And you're listening to the Gravity Beard Podcast. It's time to check show. Welcome everyone to the Gravity Beard Podcast. This is episode 27, recording today in Studio C. Thank you as always to our listeners, we appreciate your continued support. Do you like comics? Well then we have a special guest on today's show that's just for you. So let's delay no further. My childhood was pretty normal. I played tons of video games, I rode bikes, had a tree fort, swam until I looked like a human prune, but for some reason, I never got into comic books. Well, there's no better time than the present. Today, I interview CJ Standle. Unlike me, CJ got into comics very early, and now he's created his own. It's called Rebirth of the Gangster, and it's inspired by other comics, as well as a couple of the most critically acclaimed TV shows in recent history. We'll discuss CJ's story and the process of creating a brand new comic. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast. I would like to officially welcome CJ Standle to the Gravity Beer Podcast. CJ, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Before we discuss your series, man, why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself? So this this is CJ Standle, again, creator of Rebirth of the Gangster. As I've mentioned before, uh, it's a pseudonym. I'm a high school English teacher. Uh, by trade, I've been working for almost a decade. Uh, and I just finally, I've been a comic book fan my whole life. And I've, I've wanted, I've had a dream of writing a comic and I finally did. I finally, like about a year and a half, started buckling down and just writing some uh, notes for the series that became Rebirth of the Gangster. And just over the last year and a half, I've refined that into a five-page synopsis, started writing scripts, found the right artist, uh, Juan Romero, who's incredible. And then I've come up with a comic, which is, of course, just uh, uh, what I like to think of as neo-noir. It's a, like a modern crime masterpiece that really examines a lot of, the, I think, the issues pressing to Americans today, like racism, classism, um, sexism, all that sort of stuff. But it does so in a hopefully much more entertaining way than, than me being like didactic and preaching anything like that, um, where I, you can definitely tell that I'm inspired by things like Breaking Bad, The Wire, um, even things as as I am an English teacher, even things like Othello, and so I think there there's like some weight to this piece or to this series, but also just a lot of entertainment because I'm always somebody who, even though I like the classics, I also like what people sometimes would consider garbage or low art. Um, I think that the best pieces of entertainment combine those two, and so I've always kind of with Rebirth the Gangster, but just even as a like consumer of entertainment, I've always been looking for that right middle ground, something that ha- says something, but also has. A lot. It's really entertaining. It's not just super boring or anything like that. And pretentious um, is, I guess, what I'm, I'm kind of saying here. Uh, so yeah, that's a little background on me. Um, I don't have any experience or history with comics at all. And so, so maybe yeah. we do, maybe we gear our conversation towards people like me that don't know m- much about it, but might be very intrigued by your idea. Yeah, perfect. I like the the approach you have of yeah. It's, uh, let's look at it as just art as uh, like a creator's story. I completely agree. It's a great way of um, – I've always been a proponent of, yeah, trying to get like 
comics out of the the ghetto, I guess, of like just yep, yeah, only having people who create comics read them, only people having who like who have read comics in the past read them, and yeah, I'm trying to kind of broaden that audience. Cool. Well, let's let's effort to do that. Talk about how you got into comics in the first place, and then your history since then, and then how you went from you know being a reader, a consumer of comics, to creating your own. Uh, how I got into comics is essentially I was in uh, second grade. It was around Christmas time, um, and my parents were just or asking uh, things about what I might want for Christmas, and I just back in the day with those catalogs where you would order things for Christmas, um, it was just a big box set of like 30 X-Men comics. Um, and so, yeah, I pointed to that and yeah, lo and behold, Christmas rolls around and I get this 30 issue comic or 30 issue X-Men set. And like, <laughs> there's been no turning back since I got instantly sucked, sucked in and hooked in middle school is when it like really, I guess started hitting a new ground where I started going to the comic store, like every couple weeks um, or and so I, I kept escaping more into comics, and I think part of it does have to do with the fact that I am a pretty geeky guy. Um, I can sometimes be shy. I, I'm more of like an introvert than really shy, but I think comics offered a great way of like of dealing with that experience of being a little feeling like a little bit of like, like an outsider, especially superhero comics at first, because there's always this alter ego, and they can't show it to the world, but they know they have something deep down that's better and yeah, they want to prove the world wrong, but they can't quite show it completely to the world because they, they have to keep their secret identities secret. Eventually, around like high school, I really started expanding into different genres. I started reading Neil Gaiman's Sandman, which is more like high fantasy horror type things. I also started reading the, one of the direct inspirations for Rebirth of the Gangster, 100 Bullets, which is like a conspiracy neo-noir story. And I really started branching out from there. Um, how I transitioned from reading comics uh, to creating it is, I guess... Just the more that I saw different types of comics and that it didn't have to be just superhero comics as much as I love it, I didn't think that was the story I had to tell at least yet. I started entertaining the idea more and more. And in college, I really I really started writing some scripts and really started thinking about doing some comics. Um, the, the problem at that time was that I actually didn't have a story to tell. Over the next five years, I kind of like in the back of my head was trying to think of story ideas. And I think, uh, as I mentioned, like a year and a half ago is when I really started plotting the story. And I think the, some of the things that, uh, really actually helped me finally get that confidence that I maybe was lacking in, in college when I first started trying to write it is that it's actually from podcasts, which is a really cool thing. Um, just listening to a bunch of, um, creators, not necessarily comic book writers or comic book artists, but I really just started listening to a bunch of creators and, uh, being able to like listen to like an hour conversation or a half hour conversation, um, I really started to see and connect with them more as like real people instead of I guess these like these figures I idolized. And I started seeing like, hey, I can definitely do this too. Like I have some maybe similar backgrounds as some of these people, but I also like they flat out admit that they are not perfect and all this sort of stuff. And so I really think that helped my, build up my confidence level and helped me finally start trying to pursue that dream. So I want to ask you this question because because you've referenced as inspiration a couple of things that I'm I'm huge fans of uh, Breaking Bad, sure. the, the Wire, those types of things. T tell me, describe how the how those specific things in inspired what you created, and kind of describe the moment when when things clicked for you to where you were ready to sit down and start creating. The Wire first. I'm going to start with that just because that's. Probably my favorite show of all time. If it isn't, it's at least up in the top three. 
I, I like to think of it as like the first televised great American novel is kind of what the way I think of it. The, the, like how it inspired Rebirth of the Gangster is that a lot of those issues in The Wire, a lot of the – we definitely see a lot of uh, struggles of racism, of classism, of uh, drug use, which also we see a little bit of in Rebirth of the Gangster. Fear or um, disregard for institution um, and we want to be individual. I guess those themes definitely are something that directly – have inspired Rebirth of the Gangster. Obviously, um, the first issue opens with a scene in a in a like a rich gallery. This is a fancy dinner, and so like and then the the next scene is like they meet a homeless person, and so I really wanted to kind of show like um, kind of like the wire this idea of two separate Americas or two separate worlds geographically located right next to each other. And so I think that's part of the, how The Wire inspired Rebirth of the Gangster. I think another way that it re- inspired Rebirth of the Gangster is that I think The Wire doesn't doesn't say the cops are the good guys, the, the drug dealers are the bad guys. I think they do a really good job of uh, making characters truly unique and, and human instead of making them caricatures or, or something like that. And that's something I'm t- or trying to do with Rebirth of the Gangster, that, that each person is like the hero of their own story. And that they they all have justifiable motivations for what they're doing, even if we, of course, disagree with their actions. And that sometimes, all the time, actually, a character isn't always going to be all good or all bad. That Sometimes they'll be bad. Sometimes they'll be good. Sometimes they'll make mistakes. Sometimes they'll learn and grow. Sometimes they'll get setbacks. And I think that's a big part of uh, how The Wire re- inspired Rebirth of the Gangster. As far as Breaking Bad, if I can switch to there now. Breaking Bad, I think, inspired it more from that level of that tale of corruption and i guess the uh walter jesse dynamic that walter is starts off this very respectable figure much like marcus is at the beginning and he runs into somebody who's essentially going to lead him astray as in jesse i'm not saying this is what's going to happen in rebirth of the gangster but i do think it's an interesting story arc of the the supposed tempter Jesse ends up becoming more of the moral compass of the the piece, and Walt eventually loses most of our sympathy, even if he's still enthralling to watch because he takes it so far. Um, and so I think that's kind of the plot-wise how that, that kind of inspired Rebirth of the Gangster. And remind me of the second part of your question. <laughs> the second part of my question was is, is to describe the, the moment that kind of clicked for you where you had the you had the confidence and you felt like you were prepared to sit down and actually start creating uh, rebirth of the gangster. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I guess there were a little, some small moments leading up to it. I had friends I'd been talking, of course, like I, I, this is something I want to do. And I definitely had friends who were like, why not just do it? Um, like you seem, you watch, you watch a lot of TV, read a lot of stuff. You seem like, you know, a lot of ways to create an engaging story. So I had a lot of friends who were kind of on my shoulder. And so I think that was a, a big part of it. But the, the moment, the one moment, if we're going to kind of focus on that, um, I was at, uh, a panel at a comic convention, um, with some, uh, independent artists and writers, and they were just talking about their process and focused on that idea of there's nothing stopping you. There are artists all over the world. You could, there's some, there are so many ways you can connect with them. And at this point, it's only you stopping yourself. Um, and I think really at that point, for whatever reason, it just clicked in me and I went home after the convention and I just started typing up notes. And I think it was, yeah, just seeing like guys up on the panel, they, they talk a little like me, they're clearly not perfect and they just, they went for it. And they're obviously now super passionate and super proud and happy of the fact that they did that. And so I think it really did just finally click with me. I hadn't really seen independent 
creators seem that passionate before I've maybe like read interviews with them online or something like that. But there's something about seeing it in person that I think really made it hit home with me. So you benefited from having uh, people in your life that were willing to lovingly kick you in the pants. Yep. That's definitely true. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also know that I've been in a more lo- a long-term relationship and the moment that I decided to write this comic also had been a decent length into this long-term relationship. So, I th- and she was super, she wasn't still as super supportive. So I think that was another big part that it also wasn't just friends, but it was my significant other. It was the, yeah, this woman who, yeah, is very supportive of me and obviously has a, a much more personal influence on me than even my, my really good friends. Yeah, that's huge. It's huge to have that key person, you, you know, sh- shows like we've referenced like the wire or uh, breaking bad, you know, a creator like Vince Gilliam, he he might have he might have known how many seasons he wanted to do, or or what the arc was going to be, and and even possibly how how the series was going to end. You know, very very early on, or even yeah. before he even started. Does a comic, or does your comic specifically work that way? Also, my comic definitely works that way. I have like a five page synopsis of the series as a whole. And then on a, like a separate document, I have a a document that essentially is here's the first chapter slash first issue. And here's what like the three main beats I need to get in that issue. Here's the next issue and the three main beats I need to get there. So I've actually plotted it out to be 24 issues, which will essentially be four story arcs of six issues a piece. So the first one we is meet the family. And at the end of issues or six, issue six is going to be the end of that. And we're going to move on to the next story arc. So I definitely have it plotted out. However, I would say that as I've been writing um, each issue, I tend to add things. I tend to remove things. And I even switch maybe some of the order of things. Um, I've realized, oh, maybe this was too late in my original plan. I need to move this thing up here a little bit earlier, get things moving a little bit quicker. Maybe I had this other thing that was pretty early on. And I'm like, oh, I want to actually put that in later. I want to keep some suspense going on. And I think this would reveal too much too soon. So I, I definitely have it plotted out and detailed, but I'm still oddly enough, able to be flexible that way, if not actually more flexible that way, because I know where I need to go. And so I'm able to take these diversions more freely and more like confidently because I know what I need to do to get back to or where I need to go, what I need to do to get back to there and that type of stuff. 24 total issues in the series. You're releasing four, six issue parts and you're releasing issues every two months. This sounds like this is a four-year project. Essentially, you've got four one-year seasons. And I get that might be partly again that like Breaking Bad that wire influence um, that even though I have a comic influence for this comic 100 Bullets most of it is actually outside of comics um, especially uh, focused on TV and so I think that might be partly why you're noticing that they're almost like seasons. Where in terms of genre does your comic fit into the comic book landscape? Sure. So um, it would be classified as essentially like thriller mystery. If I had to get really, really super technical, I would call it neo-noir, just like a new version of a noir uh, comic where there are like shades of great characters, where there are just all those other trademarks of noir comics where we focus more on like, I guess, the downtrodden than just the people in power. And there's this sometimes nihilistic view on life. I don't know if I would say that Rebirth of the Gangster has a completely nihilistic view on life, but there are definitely characters that do have that that more like hopeless view of life um, in Rebirth of the Gangster. Okay, and who do you expect your reader to be? Uh, so I, I expect my reader... I mean, I expect my readers to be one more likely to read an independent or self-published comic. 
I expect them to be more interested in like genres outside of superheroes. And I, I think I've mentioned this comic before. Like I expect them to read comics like a hundred bullets, which is an incredible vertigo comic, which is vertigo is an imprint of DC comics, but it's an incredible vertigo comic um, written by Brian Azzarello, illustrated by Eduardo Risso. And it's just, again, a really cool, strong mystery and crime thriller that is, would also be classified as neo-noir. So I think the people that bought flocked to those types of comics are more likely to buy mine. Uh, but I, I think even people who don't normally go to like genre entertainment, um, if they're more likely to support self-publishers or independent publishers or black and white comics, which uh, mine is with uh, the colored covers, of course, I think those are kind of the audience I have. But I also am kind of hoping to reach more of like a, a like a bookstore audience, people who aren't into comics as a whole or aren't into comics that much. They, I think there it still attracts that type of crowd because of those, again, those influences of Breaking Bad, The Wire, even like Raymond Chandler, some some old school like noir books. And even again, yeah, like things like I mentioned Othello. And I think that they're because of those, that like wide range of influences. Um, I do think that even though, yeah, maybe people drawn more to comics and more to like genre comics might be my audience, but I still think that it's really applicable to a wide audience and to um, people who, yeah, normally wouldn't even read comics i think they just if they read the description of my comic they would be sucked in i was drawn in pretty early um thank you yeah uh, so so my it, it just occurred to me we've talked a lot about creation and process and all these things we haven't actually talked about the product itself Sure. So our uh, Rebirth of the Gangster opens with uh, Marcus, who is this rich black lawyer. He's part of an illustrious family. His mom, Andrea, and his dad, Curtis, are both very well-known, pro- well prominent figures in the community. And he he himself is a lawyer. And we see early on that he kind of struggles with this like mantle of – I've got to be this respectable person. I've got to always be on this right side of the law. Um, we've even seen that in the past he 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 used drugs as a like a teenager, um, and he's starting to doubt a little bit of his his position in the profession, especially putting away nonviolent drug offenders. So that's kind of where Marcus's story starts. And early on in the story, he meets Hunter, who's this like poor white blue collar worker who um, is has definitely some ulterior motives. We, we see that he, ha- he knows Marcus and is in through some secret way is con- he, he and his family are connected to Marcus and Marcus's family. And we can tell that he's scheming something against Marcus. But when he, when he first meets Marcus um, and starts interacting with him, he's really all buddy, buddy. He's almost like I mentioned Othello. He's almost like Iago and Othello where he's pretending to be his friend while he's working to like ensure his destruction or something. We don't quite know as readers yet what he really wants. We just know it's obviously something not good um, and that it's, he's being entirely two faced in the way he's dealing with when dealing with market. And so at the same time as this is going on, Hunter has been a, a part of this like group of robbers. And so he's been part of life of crime that we were starting to see Marcus is getting sucked into some of that, some of the allure of at least like the partying style of that lifestyle. Um, and so because of this life of crime of Hunter, we start getting introduced to Detective Lorena Sanchez, who is on the case of some of the robberies that Hunter has been a part of. As you said, we, we see that there is also some connection between Lorena Sanchez and Hunter in their past. So a big part of this story is that we are more interconnected than we know. There are these secrets just waiting to be unearthed. So Detective Lorena Sanchez is on the case, really trying to pin down Hunter. And in the fourth issue, we've kind of explored a little bit more of Andrea, Marcus's mom, and just how she herself 
might not be as respectable as the image she she presents that she might be hiding stuff um, from the past that uh, is definitely going to haunt her, but also pro- haunt Marcus and this whole situation. So te- tease the audience and, and tell us a little bit about what to expect over the next couple of issues or what, what's going to be revealed that hasn't been revealed yet. So um, essentially in the, ne- the next, the last two issues of the story arc, um, uh, we we have a point a different point of view character each each issue, um, and I kind of talked on the first four. It was Marcus Hunter, Andrea, and Detective Lorena Sanchez. Uh, the fifth issue will actually follow Hunter's mom, uh, Linda, and kind of give some of her background and and see how, um, see we'll see a little bit of her her health struggles, which is part of the reason that Hunter's entered a life of crime. But we're also going to see that she's. She has grown as a person from from uh, her past. She's trying to redeem herself and also, more importantly, trying to redeem Hunter and trying to turn him away from this path that he's on. So that's a little bit of what the fifth issue is about. The sixth issue is actually going to introduce a, a new character, Dennis, this member of like Hunter's gang from the neighborhood um, who actually has been in, in prison for the last little bit and now he's finally released from prison he's trying to decide if he wants to stay in this life of crime or not and kind of all this is going to come together in that sixth issue with the the climactic scene is actually going to be is going to reveal the motivation for why hunter's doing what he's doing we're not going to quite see his plan yet but he's going to reveal what has gone down between his family and marcus's family in the past and why that makes him want revenge why that makes him want this plan into action whatever it is we're not going to know the plan yet but we're going to know the motivation for it and that's a that's the the really big bombshell there at the end of the sixth issue um, which also will actually be the most violent issue of the bunch and will even end in the death of one of the characters that um, we've seen in the series so far that's very game of thrones of you yep uh well you got to keep the reader guessing right are you are you able at this point or is it too soon to say what season two is going to be like Season one is going to end with with Marcus really getting sucked into this lifestyle with Hunter. And so season two is going to really elaborate on that, showing Marcus parting more heavier and heavier with Hunter. Marcus is going to cross the line and not just be in, indulging in like maybe illegal drugs or in partying in that way, but he's going to cross he's going to do some other illegal actions that are not just like involved in partying that he's going to cross that line and from that point he has to make that decision of can he turn back at the same time as that's going on um hunter's going to continue part of that that actually that that crime that marcus is um, undertaking is part of hunter's plan so we're going to see that hunter's going to keep trying to encourage him to do worse and worse things with some ultimate goal in mind well this is the point in the conversation where i i would ask you to um promote yourself where can we find you where do you want people to go how do you want to direct people Sure, yeah. So you can, can follow me on Twitter with my username, CJ underscore Standal. You spell my last name, S-T-A-N-D-A-L. You can also friend me on Facebook. I do have an Instagram account that you can friend me on, but I'll be honest that I use Twitter and Facebook way more. Uh, you can also hit up my website, cjstandleproductions.com, and all of my comics are for sale on Amazon, either as the individual issues or as bundle packs that are up to 40% off, depending on the bundle packs. I would definitely say, I, I think you've created something very cool and, and they're getting a lot for their money. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Sometimes when I'm typing away uh, and working for two months on an issue, it's w- entirely worth it when uh, fans like you or say they, they appreciate it and they notice these things and they're really getting into it. Absolutely. What else do you need to tell me? 
in addition to Rebirth of the Gangster, something else interesting is that I'm working on a self-contained graphic novel that's like a sci-fi horror hybrid, also with Juan Romero as the artist, um, and the name of this is The Others Behind the Wall. Um, so there is obviously a little political overtone to that, or undertone to that title, but it's more about like the, the Others Behind the Wall are actually like these aliens who are behind this dimensional wall, and so there's going to be some almost Stranger Things-esque blend of sci-fi and horror. When you break out and one of these things catches on and you become the next the next Vince Gilligan, well, you promise to come back on my show. I will always, yeah, come back on your show. You and I've been on like two other podcasts, and since you guys are with me from the start, those are the ones that I'm. I'm a very loyal person by nature, and so I'm. Yeah, I, I will always come back to your show, to the other shows I've gone gone on this freaking show. You and those people and those other podcasts have been so supportive of me that, uh, yeah, if I blow up. If I, yeah, it should it will happen. I will blow up. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely come back uh, because, like I like I was talking about with the self publisher and independent movement, the more we support each other, the more we um, we build our our own audiences, the more we we just get p- people passionate about podcasts, about comics, about all this stuff. So of course I'm coming back. CJ Standel, the creator of Rebirth of the Gangster. We are four issues in of six in the first season, we'll call it. Uh, yep. there, there is much, much more to come. Oh yeah, the story's just getting started, even though there's already been a lot of a lot of crazy bombshells. Thank you very, very much for your time. You've been really generous, and it was really great having you on. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, too, and you've also been very generous with your time. I really appreciate it. I had a blast. I look forward to coming on with the fifth issue released. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you. Here's the latest on our search for our next intern. The competition has been fierce, to say the least, but we've decided to suspend things until after the holidays. After the new year, we'll resume and add karaoke and ice fishing to the list of events. We need to make sure our next intern has the widest range of skills possible. Also, we've been approached by Bravo to create a reality TV show about the whole thing. Stay tuned. It's starting to get interesting. You can listen to the Gravity Beard podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere else you consume podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at The Gravity Beard. And of course, we're on Facebook. You can also email us at contactthebeard at gmail.com. We definitely want to hear from you. Hey, Liam, what's our theme song? In the Mets by Jake Dexter. That's right. And you can find him all over the internet by searching Jake Dexter or Jake Dexter Music. During our intro, we used the song Palm of Your Hand from the 2004 album Pressure Chief by Cake. And now, we're treating you to Quitting Time by Patrick Lee, CC by NCSA 3.0. You can search for him by name at freemusicarchive.org. This is the last episode of the year, and we're very excited about 2017. We'll kick things off the first week of January with our interview of YouTube star Lisa Gale, who sings Three Second Rule. Lisa joined us in studio to tell us what it's like to go viral. Then, we'll air our interview with the pride of Swansea, South Wales, a band called The Hounds of Czar, who covered Lisa's song. We may also squeeze in an NFL playoff preview show. Then we might do another NFL show after the Super Bowl. But that only scratches the surface. We're going to travel back in time 25 years and spend several episodes focusing on the year 1992. It was my senior year of high school, and I may have accidentally stolen someone's homecoming date. It all went down at the pep rally in front of the whole school. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast. It's what your ears will want to be listening to. This is the Gravity Beard Podcast.